Hey, everybody, and welcome to This Week on Point North. I'm Alistair Stevens. It's Monday morning. It's time for us to look ahead to a week of exploration and of discovery, for us to celebrate the coming of spring by discussing the Yule Ball in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, which is a, a seasonal disconnect with which I'm not entirely in alignment. Like, I've enjoyed winter. Winter has been great, but I'm ready for it to be done now. I'm ready for it to be the spring. I'm ready to work outside in the garden. I'm ready to feel the sun and do outdoorsy things. I won't do those things, of course, because I'm going to be in here podcasting all summer long, all, all year long, for the rest of my life. This is the fate that I have chosen, and it is the best fate. Do not feel sad for me. It's been an interesting weekend here. I caught up last night with uh, a couple of podcasts that were outstanding, a couple of last-minute reschedules. I had to push the uh, patron-exclusive book club from Friday to Sunday because I had pre-existing commitments, and we started our discussion of Good Omens last night in a raucous and fast hour. There was something about the book clubs, the, the patron-exclusive book club discussions that exert this time dilation effect where an hour actually only lasts like 20 minutes. I burn through the material so fast, I think I'm making such good progress, then I make the mistake of glancing at the clock and realizing, oh no, actually, I'm almost out of time. I'm going to have to curtail my, my plans to discuss this text. That was worse than ever last night with Good Omens, but what a great way of spending a Sunday evening. I actually really like the Sunday evening slot. If you guys would prefer either a permanent switch to the Sunday evening slot for the book club or a kind of alternate Sunday evening, Friday evening thing, you know, for the, um, this is of course only relevant to the patrons of Point North Media, but if you aren't a patron, you can go become one and then you can have your say too. That would be an interesting schedule change, I think. I also preceded last night's book club discussion with two and a half hours of commentary track discussion for uh, Marvel's Age of Ultron, the Avengers Age of Ultron uh, movie, which was really, really fun. That was for the Excelsior podcast. That will actually be available in about an hour um, as of this live recording. So you'll be able to uh, listen to me and to Sarah Pizant and to the wonderful Vinton Bain talk all over Age of Ultron for an hour and discover much to our surprise that though there are things that we love about that film, it doesn't really cohere in quite the way that we would want it to. It was a really interesting process of moving through that movie. Kind of the inverse, I suppose, of the, of the discussion we had a couple of weeks ago about Thor The Dark World, which was a movie we were not expecting to enjoy. And then as we watched it, realized, no, wait, everything here is really good, except for a few things that are terrible. And I think that in Age of Ultron, everything is fine. It's decent. It's like, you know, B-plus material, except for a few things which are fantastic. And those things really catch the eye. Those things really uh, buoy the spirits. Those things really engage us with the movie. But there's a lot of confusion and at least one action sequence too many in Age of Ultron. So we had a really good time talking about that. And then at some point within the next... I don't know, 48 hours. I'm going to have to find the time to watch Ant-Man, which is the MCU movie that I have seen the least. I have only seen Ant-Man once. I was not terribly impressed, but I am fully expecting to like this movie when I return to it because I think my expectations, my sense of anticipation was just not in alignment with the movie's goals. I think that moving back to it with a better sense of what is to come is going to be much more rewarding. This is, I think... A perennial problem for the makers of trailers and for, for marketing executives in general, right? For marketing creatives. When you are launching a new story, when you are creating content in the broadest possible sense, right? Whether it is a novel or a movie or a new TV show, an album, a YouTube series, a video game, whatever, you want to entice people. And you want to entice people in the broadest possible sense because we live in the world. We are not yet, you know, post-economic. We still need to make money and pay bills and cover health insurance and things of that sort. So you want to reach out to as many people as possible. And there is always a risk that that point of inflection there is tricky because there's always a risk that in your desire to reach out to as many people as possible, you are going to 
at the best, dilute the vision of your piece of content, of your creation, of your art, right? You are going to, you have made some niche thing that is for a dedicated audience and you're going to try and expand the scope of that audience, which isn't even necessarily shady, right? That isn't even necessarily ill-intentioned because there are going to be lots of people out there who would love your story if they just tried it, if they just knew about it, if they just played your video game or watched your movie or whatever. But there is a point at which trailing stories like this, trailing content like this, that, that is to say creating marketing material surrounding content like this, does come perilously close to making a promise that the story has no intention of keeping, right? That, that is a thing that has definitely happened before. And yeah, I, I find that that some of the, the Marvel marketing, I'm actually really interested. I was thinking about this last night a lot because um, I just watched the final trailer for Infinity War and I'm fascinated by it. I'm really excited for this movie. I have no idea at this point in the Marvel timeline, at this point in, you know, the history of Hollywood, I have no idea how trustworthy that trailer is, how representative it is of the final product. And I feel like a lot of my experiences going to the movies over the course of the last, the last year, really, I suppose from what, from Wonder Woman, from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, really, through the great summer that we had last year, the, the superhero summer that we had last year and into 2018, I guess my experience has generally been positive, but only positive because the movie has exceeded my expectation based on the trailer, right? The trailers are not terribly representative, but that's okay because the movies have been consistently better. I haven't recently had that experience of really loving a trailer and then being given a movie that is representative of that trailer, but just worse, right? That, that's, yeah, I don't know. Um, so, so, Sunday here, I'm just realizing that I haven't even looked at the chat and I certainly haven't talked about what we're doing this week on Point North. This is a weird morning. I've been frantic this morning, just kind of uh, lining things up for the week, putting together the schedule, putting together all the Crowdcast events, making sure that the newsletter's gone out, all of this stuff, you know, authentication problems and verification problems, just, just doing the technical thing. So I am now uh, one cup of coffee into the morning at five after 11, which is a pretty bad state of affairs for me, which is why I'm maybe waxing a little more philosophical and rambling a little more than I usually do. Less of a laser focus than usual, people. I'll pull it together. Here we go. Uh, Sosa Sundari says in the chat, Ant-Man gets a lot of hate, but I thought it was funny and enjoyable. I think a lot of people thought that Hank Pym was supposed to be likable and that the gender issues were just garbage, but he is one of Marvel's biggest jerks and is supposed to screw things up. Yes, Hank Pym is a notoriously awful character right like a deliberately awful character throughout the uh throughout the comic book history of the avengers particularly if you read the um the ultimate spin-off the early 2000s ultimate spin-off where marvel effectively rebooted their entire universe just in comic books and had an independent line of ultimate so instead of the x-men which was still continuing in standard 616 continuity we had the ultimate x-men and instead of spider-man we had the ultimate spider-man and instead of the avengers in classic continuity we got the ultimates in the ultimate universe which is basically by the way where the mcu comes from right that is absolutely absolutely the template for the MCU. And it's, I mean, the Ultimates is not always great. It's not always subtle. It's not always thoughtful. It's not always respectful. It is dynamic. And it does some things with Hank Pym, which are deliberately provocative, I think. Yeah. Uh, Hank Pym is a problem. I, I like this idea. I like this idea that Scott Lang can be kind of Kind of that guy. Like I, I like this idea. I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I'll have to watch it again. I can talk about Ant-Man in a much more informed way when I watch it again. But I am excited about Ant-Man and the Wasp, which is surprising. Watching that trailer really did charm me with the original movie. So I'm going to come back to that. Yeah. Um, let me see here. Oh, Jenna's asking, is one cup by 11 a lot or a little? I don't drink coffee, you guys. Uh, one cup is... 
one cup is basically the bare minimum in order to function like a human being in order to become I'm, I'm terrible with coffee you guys i've actually become much better over the course of the last year or so um there was a while there where i was drinking coffee to to wild excess and that wasn't great um i am down to most days three cups sometimes four cups and i mean I don't even have my mug here on the desk, which is a sign of how dire things are here. But yeah, three or four mugs a day, depending on whether or not I have an extra cup of coffee, like four, four thirty, something like that. I'm actually pretty lucky in that caffeine does not really interrupt my ability to sleep. Um, but yeah, I, I, I require a significant caffeine infusion in order to get through my day. And coffee is absolutely my drink of choice, right? Like, I don't really drink uh, caffeinated sodas anymore. I don't kind of lean in that black tea from time to time, but black tea is soothing and I wish to be tense. So I will drink the uh, the black coffee. Uh, the organic Sumatran from our local neighborhood market here, Sprouts, is, is really, really good. That is my coffee of choice right now. But I also switch that out from time to time because I'm that kind of guy. But I don't generally drink like your... Uh, your syrupy confections from Starbucks. I don't generally, I don't generally do anything to my coffee. I don't generally adulterate it in any way. It's just black and and thick and gorgeous and unctuous. And I'm really going to go and make a cup of coffee right after I'm done with this live session. That is what I'm going to do. Yeah, good, good. Um, Okay, let's talk about our uh, project this week, shall we? Let's talk about what we're going to do here at Point North Media this week. We begin, obviously, here with This Week on Point North, but the fun really begins tomorrow evening at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central, and I have double-checked that all of this is now daylight time because we've come through this transition. It was all right last week, too, which is, I think, the first time in 10 years of podcasting that I've managed that transition properly when I'm talking about the schedule, so that was great. 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central, tomorrow evening, Dear Mr. Potter, 47, Wongo Ball with me? which is, uh, we're, we're going to cover the House of Liberation Front, which we kind of left fallow from last week. We're then going to move through the unexpected task, but most importantly, we're going to get to the Yule Ball. We're going to get to one of the most interesting and kind of uh, uh, flamboyantly, performatively functional pieces of transformation for Harry, for Ron, and for Hermione in the series to date. It's going to be a really interesting look at a part of their characterization and a part of the ongoing plot, the ongoing story, which has very little to do with magic and sorcery and the things that we primarily associate Harry Potter with. For a period of time, this story is going to break into just an adolescent story, just a story of teenagers being teenagers, kind of a coming-of-age tale, kind of a fumbling, exploratory, you know, first love kind of experience story. It's going to be really fun and interesting to talk about it, even though, yes, as I say, we're just now getting to the beginning of spring here in Oklahoma, and it feels a little weird to be taking a step back and talking about the Yule Ball, but hey, if J.K. Rowling's going to write a book that takes an entire year to play out, we're going to sync up occasionally, right? That's bound to happen. I think, um, yeah, we're going to miss the second task, and we're going to be done with the book by the time we get to the third task. So this book is not our book in terms of syncing up, but we'll figure something out for the next one, maybe. So that's going live at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central, tomorrow evening. That's Tuesday, March the 20th. Dear Mr. Potter, 47, won't go ball with me. Uh, on Thursday, that's March 22nd, 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central. There and back again, 55, Tree and Tower. I am very excited for this week's session because we are launching into The Return of the King. We're launching into book five, of course, of The Lord of the Rings. Um... And we're talking about one of the most deep and substantial chapters that the entire book offers. Minas Tirith, which is the first chapter of book five of The Lord of the Rings, the first chapter of the first half of The Return of the King, I suppose, is an absolutely knockout chapter. It is deep, it is rich, it is resonant, it is overwhelming almost in its in its immensity and in its grandeur. It is perfectly evocative of Minas Tirith itself. It is perfectly evocative of the authority of Denethor, steward of Gondor, and we also get this gorgeous kind of 
fragile tragedy of the White Tower and the White Tree, which is why I've called the session Tree and Tower. We're going to be talking about the uh, the White Tree of Gondor and what it means and what it represents and what it is. And we're going to talk, of course, about Pippin's great moment of transformation when Pippin takes his oath. It's it's enormous. It's it's so huge. It's going to be probably a very long session, even though we're only covering one chapter. I cannot wait to get into it. That is going to be uh, 10 o'clock Eastern, uh, 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central on Thursday evening. That is March 22nd. Oh, and I've just realized that this is listed as Sunday. Should not be Sunday. Should be Friday for uh, the second Good Omens book club. Never mind. The calendar is right. The calendar is up to date. Forgive me for that. Uh, 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central for an hour-long discussion of Good Omens. I didn't quite hit my goal of covering the first chunk of the book this last week we got a little bit distracted talking about the uh the chattering nuns talking about uh that whole experience talking about the tensions between faith and religion right performative faith uh, performative religion and and true inner faith the comfortable leather armchair armchair excuse me of mr young's soul was was brought up a couple of times it's a really fascinating but we're really going to get into it this next week with uh, the second session as we meet adam and them and get into the heart of the story that we're going to begin with the framing the, the purposeful framing of of youth and influence and the the argument of nature versus nurture it's going to be a really interesting discussion when we get to it so all of that is coming not on sunday as it says there on the uh, website right now or as it said in your newsletters but rather on friday march 23rd 10 p.m eastern 9 p.m central for the book club discussion for patrons of point north media and if you are not yet a patron of point north media and you would like access to the good omens book club and the wrinkling time book club and I don't know, 30 episodes of, of general Q&A stuff, and what else did we do? Hitchhiker's Guide and all kinds of stuff. You can find that stuff over on uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash pointnorthmedia. You can also pledge your support through paypal.me slash pointnorthmedia. It is very appreciated. It makes all of this possible, right? We get editorial independence. We get ad-free podcasts. We get hours and hours of content a week. Thanks to you, fine folks, and your enormous generosity. I'm going to use some of that enormous generosity, in fact, to go and make some coffee. That is my plan right now. Guys, thank you so, so much for joining me this morning. I am so looking forward to the week ahead. I really hope you'll be able to join me in particular for Thursday and the start of The Return of the King. I'm, I'm thrilled at the prospect of launching into this novel. It's going to be a ton of fun. I will talk to you all again very soon. Until then, take care. Go pour yourself some coffee. You deserve it. Let's show Monday who's boss.